0: Good morning, Union Chapel. How are we doing? Good. My name's Paul. It's a joy to be here sharing with you today. And we do want you to invite someone to church, but we want you to do it in the right way, and for the right reasons, even. Um, As you are able, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word today? Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word today. You may be seated my, my name is Paul. As I said, my wife, Tia, partners with me in ministry, and she volunteers here in lots of different ways. You've probably seen her at the coffee bar. Um, she makes meals. She works with the youth group. She does tons of different things, as well as being a grad student and a mom to our three daughters. We have daughters age seven, um, Ella, age four, Aaliyah, and age three, Adessa. So, so we stay busy. And, and having three daughters might seem crazy, but uh, imagine life from my father-in-law's perspective. Um, he had three daughters, His oldest daughter has three daughters. That's my wife. His middle daughter has two daughters. And his youngest daughter will start bringing daughters around sooner or later, we're sure of. Um, Life around that house on the holidays, I mean, just put yourself there. Imagine what that's like, all all those little women running around. Um, I mean, the the estrogen is so thick that you can feel it when you walk in a room. A grown biker will step in there and all of a sudden feel compelled to watch the notebook and sign up for Pinterest. I mean... (laughs) it affects you it's weird uh, and we, we, we have to solve different kinds of problems when you have that many little girls running around you know just this week wiping away tears from my daughter's eyes I explained to her more than one of you can be the princess unicorn Pegasus at a time. It's okay we don't have to cry I mean I mean they get worked up about things that don't really matter sometimes and I might pick on them a little bit but you know what guys can be just as sensitive about those things you want to see Hey, your husband gets sensitive real quick, just, you know, as you're getting out at the house today, why is the neighbor's lawn so much nicer than ours? You'll, you'll see a reaction. I'm not encouraging you to fight with your husband. I'm just saying, guys get sensitive about things too, you know. Uh, our team just lost a game. Oh, it's just a game. That's not going to help us any. We'll get a little bit sensitive about that. We need some emotional recovery time when our team loses a game, you know. We, we get worked up about things that, that don't always really matter. And today, uh, I gave you Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, but really we're going to focus into verse 2, specifically on fixing our eyes on Jesus. This call is a call that, that changes things for us, if we follow it. And to give you some context around the verse, the previous chapter, it was all about heroes of the faith, people who did great things, who changed their culture. But but the main thing that you should take from from Hebrews chapter 11 is, is that every single time it lists someone and what they did, it says, and they did this by faith. Because the power in anyone to affect their culture and change their world, it's not coming from themselves. It's a power that's provided by God. It's something that only happens through faith in him. It's a work that he does. And so these heroes that listed, it wasn't about lifting up their name, but about lifting up the power of faith, the strength of faith, the way that faith will change circumstances. And, and so then we come into this section where, where the writer begins to use the illustration of the Grecian games, of a race, and, and you know, throw off anything that slows you down, anything that can easily entangle you, and, and run that race with perseverance, the race that's marked out for, for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Jesus. When you're in a race, you have to keep your eyes on where you're going, your eyes on that finish line. Uh, I grew up in South Florida and North Georgia, which are just two completely different classes of redneck. And as a teenager, you know, I got into some of the local hobbies, one of which was go-kart racing. And you can't get much more redneck than go-kart racing, all right? And so I did this as a teenager, and a lot of these kids that I raced against, they grew up racing, And Indy, I know the Indy people, we we love our racing here as well. And one of the things that you learn quickly about racing if you're driving, is there's a certain line that you're supposed to keep on the track. If you wanna go the fastest, there's one certain line. And it's not actually like the closest into the walls. It's not the smallest amount of distance covered. It's actually one where you go from the top of the track to the inside, back to the outside. And you have to keep your eyes on that line. As a new racer, I was really concerned when I was out front of the pack that, that someone was gonna, gonna get around the side of me. And so I had this compulsion while driving in my helmet to turn around and look and see where people are. And you only have like this much vision in your helmet. And so like every 100 yards, I'm just you know spinning around. And, and my, my family and my friends are yelling at me, Paul, you cannot do that, just keep your eyes ahead. And, you know, I'm concerned. I'm like, okay, I don't want someone to pass me. These things could happen. This person could come around. I'm just going to keep swinging around. And, and I eventually started losing my line. And eventually where I thought my line was going is actually where the wall was. And, and go-karts and walls are not good friends. They should not be introduced at high speeds. Um, it, 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 it was not fun for my go-kart that broke apart and me that went kind of spinning. Um, but that, that same thing that happens in racing, it happens in our lives. You know, we have a place where our eyes should be set, but often we're so concerned, you know, this could happen. You know, this might go wrong. The what-ifs derail us from keeping our eyes set on the one who not only knows everything about us and everything that's going to happen, but he knows this this is the race I have marked out for you. By fixing our eyes on Jesus, it helps us say, you know what, there's what-ifs that could happen, but I, I know who the source of truth is. I know who has the real power and authority over the world that I live in. When I keep my eyes fixed on him, I don't have to worry about the what ifs because he provides through everything. We need to fix our eyes on him. We need to seek his face is the first point I want to make. We want to seek his face. Because when we set our attention to who God is in our life, we discover who we are meant to be. When we set our attention to who God is in our life, we discover who we are meant to be and where our life should be going. When we look at him, we discover something different about ourselves than we would get if we just looked at ourselves. Because when we look at ourselves in a mirror and we kind of sum up our life and what we're able to do, we see, okay, I tried this one time and I failed. At this point, I hurt my family. At this point, I embarrassed myself. At this point, I found I wasn't good enough. And a lot of times, people that surround us kind of say the same thing. They say, you know what, you can't. You can't take a stand for that because I know what you did. I know how you've lived. But when we set our eyes and attention on Jesus Christ, he gives us a completely different message. He says, you know what, you are righteous because I've given you my righteousness. Yes, you've made mistakes, but that doesn't matter anymore. I've wiped those away. They are as far as the east is from the west. You are perfect in my sight and I have a calling and a purpose and a passion for you. You are dearly loved. You are accepted. You are in my family, is what Jesus tells us. That's what we learn from his word. And when your attention is focused on him, anything that would be used to disqualify you is just washed away. That doesn't matter. Your opinion of me doesn't matter because this is Jesus' opinion of me. And this is where he's calling me to go and this is where I'm gonna go. When we seek his face, we always find it. This is what Proverbs eight seventeen says about the Lord. He says, I love all who love me. And those who search will surely find me. It's not, I'm going to do enough, and then eventually God will start to like me, and then he'll love me. I'll earn his affection. I'll work really hard, and I'll make him like me. He won't have a choice. He says, all you have to do is turn your heart towards me. And I love you. You turn your heart, and I will help you. You seek after me, and I will make sure that you find me. When you begin to search after God in your life, he says, I will make sure you find me. That's his word. And one of the most important things you can do in your life is discover for yourself the character of Jesus Christ, who he is, the way that he loves, the things he calls us to do. I remember discovering these truths about him for the first time when I was 17 and I became a Christian. And it's actually, on, on that topic, that's a question I get from students a lot. I work with the 180 ministry here, and I get this question from adults as well. You know, how do I know that I'm a Christian? How, how, do, how am I sure? Because I'm not sure, and I want to be. I mean, we all want to be sure that when we face God one day that we're right with Him. And the best way that I know to explain that is to actually explain how I fell in love with my wife. I mean, that might sound weird, but but it's a truth, and I believe it lines up with what the Bible teaches. When I met my wife and I got to know her, my heart just began to respond. And and the more that I got to know her, the more that I fell in love with her. And and there came a point, and I'm not like a real emotional guy, um, but, but there came a point in our dating relationship where my heart was so wound up for her that I wrote her poetry, all right? and it's really, like, I would read it to you, but it's really bad poetry. It's not, it's not worthy of the airtime today. But there was something going on in my heart that moved me to do things that I wouldn't normally do. And becoming a Christian, it's like that. It's not about, like, did I say the right prayer, or am I, you know, attending church enough and getting a checkbox next to my name enough? It's not about that. It's about when your heart turn toward, turns towards God. When when you believe and you confess and it affects the way that you live and your heart, you just know there's something that happened in my heart and things are different now. And that's how you know you're a Christian. And and as as we fix our eyes on Jesus and we discover his character, I believe your heart will respond and you'll know. And he says, as your heart turns towards me, if you love me, I love you. You are my child. You are mine. You're, you're part of my kingdom, and I have a purpose and a calling for your life. And, it, and as I've grown, gone through life, and one of the things that that I've found is that I need that reminder of His character. Sometimes I get busy, and I, I get distracted by the blessings that God's given me. You know, I have three little blessings, three little girls, but man, they can they can suck me dry at times as far as energy um, to go into things but I need to keep my eyes focused on this character of Jesus because it empowers me. It directs me in how to live my life. And just, I just wanted to run through a few of the things that, that Jesus did. I mean, as you read the Gospels, and you need to be reading the Gospels on occasion to remind yourself this character of Jesus. I mean, one of the things that he did is Jesus encountered a man who had leprosy. And, and leprosy was a disease in the day where, where they would just quarantine you away from the city. And so, what that would look like, I mean, I want you to think about what that would feel like and look like. To be removed from your household, forced to live out away from everyone. Food would be dropped off in a basket, but no one could get close enough to you to touch you or talk to you because they're afraid the disease would spread. And every day, in and out, you're by yourself knowing just over those hills, that, that's where my family is, that's where my kids are that I wanna hold, that's where my wife is that I wanna hug, that's where my mom and dad are that I'd like to help. That's where I wanna be, but I'm stuck here. And, and you know, I, I haven't felt the hug of someone for, for months or years. And, and Jesus encountered a person in this circumstance and, and Jesus broke a social normality. Jesus actually extended his hand and touched the leper and healed him, and and I can't imagine the emotion and the feeling of regaining your life in that instance. Jesus showed compassion in a situation that that was impossible, in a situation that wasn't even socially acceptable. You can't touch them, that's against the rules. I mean, Jesus did lots of things that there were amazing displays of compassion. He healed a man whose whose son was dying. His son was on his deathbed, and he healed him. Jesus actually ruined a perfectly good funeral that was nearly over by bringing the the family's daughter back to life. Jesus fed thousands of people. Jesus, he healed the blind. He helped the disabled to walk. He spoke to a woman and showed her grace and gave her hope despite her five-plus failed marriages and the community standing of her being an outcast that's living amongst them. Jesus continued to show compassion. He calmed a raging storm. He brought Lazarus back from the dead after three days. He lived a perfect life. He never sinned once. And he died on a cross to pay for our mistakes. And God showed that he had victory over death by bringing him back after three days. And he offers new life to any one of us that would turn our heart towards him. No matter what our past has held, no matter the decisions we've made, no matter what's happened to us, or what we've done that's hurt someone else, he offers the same grace. That same love. Hebrews 12, 2 said that he's the pioneer of our faith. He showed us the way. He said, this is the way to to live. I'm gonna live it out. You follow my example. And and that's great. And it's great to know that that this is how we should live. But the more encouraging thing to me from that that verse is that he's not just the pioneer of our faith, but that he's the perfecter of it. I mean, I want you to realize and grab onto the thought that Jesus said, when you take up this, this faith, when you take up following me, I'm going to become your perfecter. I mean, that, I don't even know if that's a real word to say it like that in English, but, but that, that's how we describe it. And, and what this means is that I'm messed up, that I need help, that as I start up on this journey, I'm going to have failings, that I need his help. And, and there, there's times in life where someone will see you making a change or, or you'll say something and say, you can't say that, you're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite, I know what you've done. You can't, you can't stand for that truth. You've had failed marriages. You've had addictions. You've had mistakes. You can't stand. Well, let me tell you something. Biblically speaking, you're supposed to be a hypocrite. I mean, you are. It's just it's a biblical truth. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I know the right that I should do, but I I don't. I don't do it. I mess up and do the thing that I hate. Romans says that all have fallen short. All have sinned. It says that all of our good deeds are like filthy rags before God. And if you think, that your ability to stand up and live for God is based on your track record, the Bible disagrees with you. God says, I wipe those things that that are behind you away, they're gone, and it's all about the direction you're going now. And and believe me, integrity is important. Integrity is important. But if anyone ever calls you and says, no, you can't do that because, because of your past, say, hey, I'm sorry if that hurt you when that happened, but that's not how I'm living. I have a direction. I have a purpose. God has forgiven me of those things. I'm not going to go back to him because his grace is enough. His grace has covered all of my mistakes and he has a calling on my life and I'm going to stand for what I know to be true. We are hypocrites, but God is graceful and God is forgiving and he calls us to follow the way that he lived. He is the perfecter of our faith and he gave us this great commission and which, which says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Yes, we have a purpose. We need to go make disciples, but the thing that I want you to think about within that verse is as Jesus is the perfecter of our faith, he is also a companion on this journey. He says this is the way to run. This is how I want you to live, but I'm going to be with you always. I will be with you there, always walking you through it. He's gonna give you strength to do the things that he calls you to do. We need to, we need to seek his face, yes. Uh, we, we need to follow the way that he lived. We have to learn the way he lived and follow it. And, and as we learn the way that he lived, we find our calling is for the world. Jesus' life and death wasn't just for us and just our salvation, but he sends us out on this mission of making a difference. The people around us, they're important to God. I've experienced it fixing my eyes on Jesus as the verse says. It causes me to just see him everywhere. When you have a heart that's set towards him, he shows you my image is written across every person sitting next to you. I mean, that's how God said he designed us. That the image of God is written across man. Written across the person you see on the street corner in downtown Muncie. That image is written across the person who, whose life isn't a mess. Who's struggling through a divorce? Who's struggling struggling through pain and loss? He desires that we show those people compassion, but in our culture, we tend to act weird around strangers sometimes. Um, one of that truth was kind of on display through a viral video that was going on around. I don't know if you saw this, um, but but it caught my attention. It was I know it was funded by a company called Everlast that makes like boxing gear, um, but they they wanted to bring they wanted to highlight some attention towards harassment that was happening on the streets towards women and so they went to Lima Peru and they shot this video and they, they actually identified these three different guys that were out on the streets that were constantly harassing women as they walked by and they did some research and they actually found these guys moms and, and it would be bad enough if you just brought mama around to see what happened but what they did is they gave Mama a makeover oh yeah they put a wig on mama. They got her all dressed. She looked like a 10. And they had her walk by her son. And then her son said something nasty to her. Now, this seems to be a universal truth about moms. They might be five one and 100 pounds and the sweetest thing you've ever seen. But the moment their child acts a fool, they turn into an MMA fighter. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, mama had the purse just beating him, yelling at him. I did not raise you like this. And I'd show you the video, but I'm pretty sure mama was still mad. There's some Spanish profanity in there. I mean, she, she was laying into him. The, the way that we treat strangers matters. And, and we know even in the, the worst cases of those guys on the corners, if they knew that was their mama, they would have acted differently. And, and Jesus explains the way that we should treat strangers like this in Matthew 25. Whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. I mean, God is so concerned about the state of other people's lives that he makes the comparison. The way that you treated them is the way that you treated me. When you didn't help them meet the need that they had, you didn't help me meet my need. And we know, as we look at Jesus, he's passionate about compassion. He's passionate about reaching other people, of seeing them brought back when they're lost. And church family, I know that we can't meet every single need that we see, but we can meet some. And if you roll back through this week in your memory, have you taken those opportunities to meet a need? Whether it be this last week, or this last month, have you taken those opportunities? That's what we're called to do. When we look at the face and the life of Jesus, that's what we see. We need to see his face. That's the second point. We need to see his face everywhere we look. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, it reminds us of our greatest hope. The face of Jesus, the presence uh, uh, of God amongst us, I mean, that, there's nothing else like that. When you have those moments where you know, okay, I, have, I am right with God, and I'm with the church, and we're singing, or or we're serving, and I know that all things, like, I'm doing what I'm made to do. I mean, there's a feeling within that that just says, this is right. I may have messed up, but things are together right now, and this is what it's supposed to be, and that's a small glimpse of heaven. Because heaven isn't about just us getting things. It's not about palaces or riches or anything like that. Heaven is about being in the presence of God, and we taste small little tastes of that here on earth. But, but the real joy of heaven, it, it, it's the presence of God, it's seeing the face of Jesus. Max Lucado said it like this, we may speak about a place where there are no tears, no death, no fear, no night, but those are just benefits of heaven. The beauty of heaven is in seeing God. We, we need to see, see Jesus' face, we need to see him around us because that, that's what we're designed to do. We're, we're designed to love and serve God by serving our neighbor. And it's impossible for us to say, you know what, I am so close with Jesus. Uh, things between me and God, they're they good, but I just don't care about the person next to me. And scripture says it's impossible to love God whom you have not, it's impossible to love your brother whom you have seen. Uh, I'm twisting this all around. It's impossible to love God whom you have not seen and not love your brother whom you have seen. We have people around us that God says, serving them is what matters. We're called to make a difference. The, the Spirit of God, the presence of God within the church, I, I think that if we were to think about the, the prime example of that would be the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost in Scripture, it, it gets kind of weird for the North American church because we're uncomfortable with people speaking in tongues and gifts of the Spirit and things showing up like that. And, and that thing has been, the, that gift has been abused and, and televangelists do weird things and I understand about that. But listen, the day of Pentecost, the point of it actually wasn't the gifts of the Spirit. The point of the day of Pentecost was when the Spirit of God filled His church to accomplish their purpose on earth. And the big thing that we should remember about the day of Pentecost is that day they went out from where they were gathering and 3,000 people came face to face with Jesus through them. 3,000 people made a decision to give their life to Christ that day because the Spirit filled their church. That's what the presence of God is supposed to do in the life of the believer. We, we can't come here and say, the Spirit of God, oh, it's at Union Chapel, but then just keep it in these walls. We have to make him known. I mean, that, that's what he does. That's what the Spirit does. The Spirit isn't here for our entertainment or for our emotions, but it's to empower us for a style of living, for living on his mission. 3,000 people in one day. That's amazing. And here at Union Chapel, we've seen amazing seasons of growth, and we believe the best things are ahead of us, and for us as a church, it's going it's to be deciding to push forward. And I understand it's easy to grow weary. It's one of the next things that Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 talks about. Is that as you run this race, you'll, you'll hit runner's fatigue. There, there's times where we get tired, and I understand. But it gives us reason to push through that. When we get tired, when we grow weary in our faith, Sometimes it's because of blessings that God has given us. Sometimes it's because of things that we, we pick up in our own life that God doesn't want there. But when we grow weary and we stop doing the core things of seeking after God on our own time, of hearing from him in his word, of pouring our heart to him in prayer, when we neglect those things and grow weary, that's when things really start falling apart. I don't know if you've ever been on a walk with someone and all of a sudden, they're walking next to you and they're with you, but they're not like mentally with you at all. Maybe they got sucked into their phone and you know they, they're, they're all about the Facebook right now, but they're supposed to be on this walk with you. When that happens to me, I just have a strong desire to guide my path that they're following towards a lamp post to kind of wake them up. know that's not very pastoral, but you know when I'm with someone, I want to be present with them. And I want them to be present with me. And that same thing is true in our relationship with God. We need to stay present and mindful That this is a walk with him where we need to be communicating. We need to be learning from him. We need to be seeking after how did he live and how is he calling me to live. We can't let the temporal things in life squeeze out the important and eternal things of life. There are things that matter. And if we get passionate about the wrong thing, we will waste this time. And we will suffer loss when we get passionate about the wrong things. When we let tiredness, keep us from doing the things that are important. I'm going to close, and, and I'm going to tell a story that it's a difficult story for me to tell um, for a couple of different reasons. I want you to know no one really got hurt in what I'm about to tell you. I don't want you to get too tense about this, but, but it's a story that, that shook me. Um, th- this last summer, we were on vacation with our family, and we, we live far from our family, so we rented a house with some other family members to get to spend a week with them and we had my sisters, um, two sisters with us, as well as another friend. So we had four families in this one house. It was a little bit of insanity on that. And halfway through the vacation, you just start getting tired. Vacation is wearing you out. And we, went on, we We're going to go on a bike ride together. There's four of us going, and my daughter Ella is going, and she's seven years old, and she just learned how to ride a bike this summer. And so it was one of the highlights of her day to go on a bike ride every day. So I would just kind of drag myself out there and, and get there, and... I was the last in line because I was just feeling a little bit tired that day. And, and you know, someone else, can, someone else can stay close to Ella and I'll just, I'll just hang back. And right as soon as we were leaving the driveway, my wife went out first and she got a little bit down the road and, and then she, she yelled back, everyone stop, there's a car coming. And my brother-in-law, Dave, he went across because he still had time and, and he said, you know, I can make it and he didn't really think of it. But in between Dave and me was my daughter, Ella. And there's a car parked so she couldn't see down the road and she was just following Dave. And I was being lazy, I was too far behind her. I usually just ride right next to her where I can just grab her shirt if she even starts to fall off the bike. I'm usually right there. I was a little bit tired and a little bit lazy and I hung back. And as she rode out onto that road, man, I was terrified. I screamed like I've never screamed before. I was so certain that in that minute my life was going to change forever. Thankfully, the guy driving the big Dodge truck was paying attention and he slammed on the brakes and he stopped just short of her and she rode across the street. Part of me wanted to hug her. Part of me wanted to yell at her. Part of her wanted to say I'm sorry to her. It scared the life out of me. I almost lost her. I almost lost my child. and I think about God's heart for one scene. We know that this life, it's like a morning mist. It's here one minute and it's gone the next. And there's so many people who are just living and they don't know what's coming. They don't know what's coming when this life ends. And they need a group of people who will be passionate about displaying the character of Jesus Christ to them, who will show them this is the way to live. This is the God who loves you. This is the way to know that when you meet him, he will bring you into his arms and call you his child. And so church, we want you to be invitational these next weeks, these next six weeks. But the place that that starts is first by you having a heart and a mind that is fixed on Jesus Christ, of seeing him, seeking him, seeing him, and staying face to face with him. In our walk with Jesus, we have to stay face to face. We cannot neglect the importance of walking closely with him. And so this is gonna get real practical, real quick for us. What we're asking you to do is to identify five people that you can be praying for. Five people that you can just really simply ask God's blessing for. Within your bulletin, there's this insert in it, and it's awesome, it just, if you don't know what to pray when you pray, this helps you. And this gives you a way to ask God to just extend his blessing into their lives. Our God is like a father God and he looks down at these children and he wants them found, he wants them reached. Will you begin to pray that God would work, that God would use you to change this city? We're going to pray together as I close and let's ask together that, that God would move. Lord, we ask that you would move in our city. All of us here together, we seek to see your face, to have our eyes fixed on Jesus, the person that he was, the way that he lived. And Lord, we want to follow that path that you set. Jesus, you were You were the one who pioneered the faith. We follow the way that you lived. And we know that you will work things out in us. You will perfect the issues and the problems and our struggles. You will work out our issues and we trust you for that. And Lord, we ask that by faith you would use us in our community. We pray that this same saving grace that we've come to know would be extended to people all throughout months. And church, so that I can pray for you, if you would say, I am on this mission with you, I will pray for five people this week, would you just raise your hand so that I can pray for you? Awesome, 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 you can put your hands down. Lord, I thank you for these people who are seeking to serve you, seeking to reach those around them. And I pray that you would bless these people through their prayers, that as they lift others up in prayer, that they would see the spiritual fruit that is occurring. We pray that lives and families would be saved because Jesus is known in people's heart for the first time. May hundreds of people come to know, may thousands of people throughout Muncie come to know you because of the prayers that happen over these next few weeks. Lord, we trust that you're going to work and we thank you for your grace that provides all that we need. In Jesus' name we pray.